The first time I was like, okay, something isn't right, is I went to a funeral and like people are crying and like making a scene and being sad. And I remember feeling pressured to like kind of act along with this despite not feeling anything. My reaction was, these people must be doing it for attention or they're just being dramatic or they feel like they have to. And it eventually kind of hit me. I was like, maybe it's actually me that's not right here. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health. I'm your host, Todd Runnebaum. Hey, do you guys like free money? Because I got some to give away. That's right. Starting next week, I'm going to be giving away $25, sometimes $50 worth of gift cards to Co-op. That is my incredible sponsor. Now, if you live in the States, uh, I, I don't think you can, can win because I don't think you have Co-ops. But Western Canada, I think there's some in Eastern Canada. I uh, you you can win some free money. Who couldn't use $25 or $50 from co-op? I mean, co-op has everything from grocery stores to pharmacies to gas stations to hardware to uh, it's it's got everything. So you, really, I mean, it's basically like free money. So I won't tell you exactly how the contest will work yet, but I will tell you, you have to be a listener and you have to be listening and you have to be following me on Instagram because, well, you'll see why. Uh, my Instagram handle is Bunny Hugs Podcast. So thank you very much, Co-op, for that. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait to start the contests. And hey, I'm getting all types of messages from people all the time, uh, thanking my guests and thanking the podcast for, for being here. Uh, so many people are getting so much help from my guests' stories. They're able to relate. They're able to, for, well, for some people, they're, they're able to not feel alone in their mental health issues or mental illnesses. And, and really, that's what the show is about. I've had people reach out and thank the podcast for shedding light on mental health issues that family members are going through. Uh, and it helped them understand it coming from a different perspective. So ultimately, this podcast is a free mental health service brought to you by people like Co-op, people like my guests, people like Sun, Saskatchewan Union Nurses, and myself and from other listeners and if you want to help other people if you want to help support a free mental health service like this all you have to do is like share rate review it's all very easy quick simple things tell other people about it the more people that know and the faster they know the better because you never know who needs to hear what a guest may say now that person you tell may not get something from the podcast right away but they might tell somebody who might tell somebody whose healing journey may begin because of something a guest said so please rate review share tell people about it and follow me on instagram because you could win free money make sure to tune in next week i am speaking with mike wallow and he is amazing his name on instagram is titanium mike because he's got like 110 titanium bolts in his head because his head was crushed by 10,000 pounds of granite and i mean crushed like less than three inches wide uh and he's got an incredible story he never should have lived but he did uh but his life was full of challenges after that still is but he is an inspiration and stay tuned for that this week this episode right now i'm speaking with jacob skidmore he's the nameless narcissist on instagram and on tiktok but he does have a name now um that's back when he was trying to be anonymous but apparently he doesn't care about that anymore 
He's quite a lovely, lovely guy. Yeah, he's a charming chap. Uh, this is the second person I've spoke with on the podcast with NPD, uh, and they actually know each other. They're good friends. Uh, the other one is Tessa, and I talked to her back in episode 59. Another just really great person. But anyway, I, I learned so much about NPD from both of them, and I learned different things from Tessa as I did from Jacob. Uh, but anyway, just listen. Uh, without further ado, I give you Jacob Skidmore. I've noticed that and uh, narcissistic being a victim of a narcissist is kind of trending right now. And like, there's a lot of talk of it and stuff. And uh, I often wonder how many of those people are actually victims or if they just are labeling their X, whatever as narcissist. Uh, it's something I, does that bother you? Yeah. I mean, it does. Um, it's really hard for me to tread just because like, I don't want to given what my, uh, presence is on social media. I don't want to Mm -hmm. kind of jeopardize alienating groups of people or make it seem like I'm invalidating them. I feel like a big part of this though, this phenomena is that we have a lot of hurt people who went through very, very toxic and sometimes abusive relationships and they want to feel valid in the pain that they felt. And nowadays we view narcissistic personality disorder, well, narcissistic abuse in quotes as one of the worst types of abuse that you can experience. So these people Mm -hmm. cling on to this to validate the suffering that they went through. At least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so, like, oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. And I think that there's an issue today where we do view uh, abuse through this lens of narcissism, right? We're not talking about toxic people and abusive relationships. We are talking about narcissistic abuse. Um, and so, and we are attributing a lot of behaviors that are not inherently narcissistic to, um, that aren't inherently narcissistic to narcissism. Just because uh, narcissistic abuse has become this umbrella term for every shitty behavior that you can exhibit. Like I, I, I've gone through addiction and I, I, I mean, to the common outsider, they could have looked at some of the decision-making I was doing then and say, you know, I was being narcissistic when, right. you know, it was actually a, a different disorder. It was a substance use disorder. Mm. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess there's a lot of, I mean, narcissistic type traits you know, there's a lot of overlap between of a lot of disorders, I suppose. Um, and, and, and you always hear about the empathy thing that narcissists don't have empathy, but that's not entirely true. Is it? No. Um, so it's actually interesting. There's one study that I read that I often cite when talking about the uh, remission rate of NPD and interestingly enough, 44, only four, 44, according to the study, at least, only 44 people with narcissistic personality disorder lack empathy. Um, it's uh, one of the more, it's one of the less common uh, symptom criteria that people actually meet because there's nine criteria. You only have to meet five of these and empathy is only one of those five. And it's not a necessary, uh, it's not a necessary trait to have. Just because you're labeled narcissist doesn't mean you have all the criteria. Yes. You just need some of them. And, and uh, just so because you lack money. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, just and just because you lack empathy doesn't make you a narcissist. That could, I mean, like there's some people who are completely, I guess not completely, if you lack empathy, but relatively speaking, non-pathological who can lack empathy. I suppose trauma could do that to someone, and that'd sure. be the only trait. Yeah. Um. Did did getting diagnosed help you with? <laughs> Man, you really do. Dude, right. I'm sorry. It's going to be the entire <laughs> that's time. Okay. I can't stop. I love- I'm like I'm like I'm like seeing through my hair, and I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> 
um, did, did getting diagnosed help you with your behaviors or like, did it, was it like, oh shit, was it a, a kaboom moment for you? It, well, so for me, it was a little, I had a, I had an interesting journey when it came to my diagnosis because I was actually diagnosed. So I'm not sure if I was diagnosed this young, but it was first brought up when I was 16 because I had this violent episode. And, uh, while I, when I was forced into therapy, they were like, Oh, I think you have like, at least they may, I forget how they phrase is exactly, but something along the lines of like, you have traits of narcissistic personality disorder. I don't know if I was full on diagnosed mm-hmm. at that point or what. Um, but I was a kid and I was just kind of thinking, yeah, fucking whatever doc fucking shrink. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, when I left therapy, like, it, so it's always been kind of back of my mind for a long time. Like, and that's probably something I have, but I don't really care. I kind of mm-hmm. forgot about it up until I was diagnosed again at 21. And, uh, and my reaction then was, oh, so I really am special. Um, <laughs> uh, but also it was like, it was, a re- it was like, cause I always just knew something was wrong with me. So it was nice to have like a label for it. And once I actually delve into the research and stuff, but yeah, like it helped me actually be able to understand a lot of the behaviors that I had going forward because i was like my entire life my mantra has been why did i do that that was crazy of me to have done why did i do that and being able to understand my behaviors through the lens of narcissism helped me understand them and to understand why they were unreasonable reactions Hmm. but some of those actions also could have been because of adhd or something true else, true right yeah yeah uh, uh how did you know you were different like you said you, you knew you had something yeah um it was interesting because I, so my first hint that something was, the, the first time I was like, okay, something isn't right is I went to a funeral when I was, I was between the ages of eight and 12. I can't say for sure what it, what age I do not remember. Um, maybe I was slightly older, maybe slightly younger. Uh, but I remember going to this funeral and like people are crying and like making a scene and being sad. And I remember feeling pressured to like kind of act along with this despite not feeling anything. And my reaction was, these people must be doing it for attention. These people must be, uh, or they're be doing it for attention or they're just being dramatic or they feel like they have to. Um, mm-hmm. And it eventually kind of hit me. I was like, maybe it's actually me. That's not right here. And I remember like literally that day going on uh, the computer and like doing a bunch of research, trying to understand um, why I wasn't experiencing this stuff. And then like growing up, I just kind of, it was just so obvious to me that other people did not interact in the ways that like I thought were like that I did, like just the way they interacted with the world. Like I always described it as like people to me always felt like they were like a math equation. I didn't really understand what was going on in the math equation, but I kind of knew roughly what numbers to punch in to get the numbers I wanted out. And it felt like other people went up to this uh, equation, just typed in random ass numbers, uh, not knowing what the fuck they were doing. I, and I, I mm. rationalized it as like, oh, well, they're obviously doing it for the same reasons I am. They're just stupid <laughs> compared to me. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say you're typing in numbers to get, uh, uh, you know, the number that you want, is that, does that mean like manipulating? Like you, you look at the equation, you figure out how to use their own personality against them so you can manip- manipulate things sometimes? Um. You can probably call it manipulation. I don't exactly see it that way, I suppose, because it's more of like, I will observe how people, I I always observe how people react to certain stimuli. Like, for example, let's say, like, I don't feel empathy for people. Like, let's say somebody's dog dies. 
but I have observed mm-hmm. how people um, like basically what gets the best and most favorable reaction to me uh, by going through my list of things that I know um, will get them to like me more for trying to comfort them through that. Um, I, I, I guess it is manipulation if you really uh, boil it down, but I kind of do everything with manipulation if you boil it down. But it's more of just how do I get how do I get people to like me more? It's basically the only thing going on in my mind at any given second. And I agree. Like I think maybe manipulation is a, a strong word because I think everybody does it at some point. Yeah, yeah. Or or all the time, maybe. <laughs> you know, what I mean, like everybody's like, um, I you know, if I'm nice to this person, they'll be nice to me back, and I just want that person to be nice to me. Right. That's in a way manipulation, I guess. But was your diagnosis somewhat? Um, like a, a lot of cluster Bs are actually like people don't realize there's they're trauma based too. Like people talk about PTSD and all these, you know, people have empathy for other people because of trauma. But then when that trauma turns into a personality disorder, it's like they're terrible people. But it's like, yeah. but I I went through shitty stuff too. It just yeah. my brain went this way instead of that way. So was there some kind of traumatic? Uh, maybe isn't is it usually an event or is it more of a like a constant kind of trauma that would it's more of a generally speaking it's more of like a pattern of continued uh continuous trauma um it can present in a lot of forms uh in my case that were like my i had a very um i didn't have a good childhood i'll say it was there was a lot of neglect involved uh there was a lot of substance Mm -hmm. abuse going around my my home uh, a lot of chaos when it came to the interactions between the members of my family um, a lot of death, a lot of death. <laughs> and just that mm. over time, I feel, and in my opinion, over time, the constant experience of being, um, of like being alone and stuff like that is kind of what made my brain morph into the monster that I am today. <laughs> <laughs> you don't consider yourself a monster, do you? See, that's a good question because yes. And well, okay. So rationally I'm like, okay, obviously I'm not a monster. Uh, and, but there's this genuine feeling of being monstrous, of being a monster, being a bad person. Um, but, and then, but you also have to view it through this lens of that's also cons- like, like, listen to the word monster. There's still power there. That's a grandiose defense of mine, kind of defend against this feeling of badness to describe myself as a monster because, like, monsters are still powerful despite being bad. Yeah. Look at Cookie Monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> look how powerful he is. King of <laughs> all. <laughs> uh, so, so in a way, being a narcissist, or at least, okay, I, I don't want to. I don't want to make a conclusion that's oversimplified, or you know, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to offend anyone. But in a lot of ways, people that have narcissistic personality disorder, they're actually dealing with huge insecurity yes and this is more of a coping mechanism defense mechanism yes um oh, i mean hey, hey you're watching me fix my hair constantly over here that's that's definitely not coming from pride <laughs> that's insecurity <laughs> right there um it's funny like because like people are always like oh narcissists are so vain always looking at themselves in the mirror and th- this is true and like sometimes i will admire myself like that but uh, when i compulsively look in the mirror it's to groom myself because of that insecurity generally um mm. And I'm insecure about basically everything. I, I actually describe. So I had this really transformative moment in how I conceptualize narcissistic personality disorder because I had my friend take this um, test that was like measuring certain narcissistic traits, and he scored really high in one category, and it really surprised me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I was like, yo, what the, what's up with that? And he was like, oh, well, I was like, I was more thinking about like when people would call me fat. And I was like, and like kind of a light bulb moment. Because it's like narcissism really is when you're just insecure about everything. Like imagine something that you're insecure about. Um, like, I don't know, let's say, like, I, I, <laughs> I'm pleasing I a woman. Like, I, what? Pleasing a woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Right. <laughs> you may be, if you're insecure about it, you will be more boastful about it. You may uh, disparage other people's performances in terms of that. Um, mm. You may, um, you, you'll probably try to hide the fact that you're very insecure about it. I, I feel like doing it through the lens of not just of like, it's like, it's not just, I'm insecure about things about me. I'm insecure about me. Right, 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 right. Because of the trauma. So you get this belief yeah. system, which then your brain tries to defend itself from. And uh, can you tell when you're doing that or not always, I suppose. I mean, it's, I have defense mechanisms too, that sometimes I can tell and sometimes I can't. Yeah. It, it's really like really touch and go. Usually in post, I can recognize it pretty easily. <laughs> right. In the moment, I'm like, fuck, I, got, I have no clue half the time. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's after someone yells at you and you're like, oh, right, I'm being a dick. Like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah, I'm being an asshole. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> can, can someone, okay, so I, I've, I was listening to a podcast once about um, uh, antisocial personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And if you think maybe I have that, you probably don't because people that have it are so, you know, they're not that self-aware or like, is that the same with narcissism or, or is that even true? What I said, what I'm I not, uh, so I'm not sure 100% if there, how much truth there is to that. Uh, but I can, I can see it because let me put it this way, like some of the, and I think this, it would be a little bit different for narcissists, but also kind of similar is that if you have antisocial personality disorder and you're engaging with the world like that, you think mm -hmm. everyone acts that way. Um, to this day, I, a very close friend of mine who has NPD, she, um, me and her have conversations where we're not completely convinced that everyone else isn't just operating for the same reasons that we are and just aren't as aware of it. So what is vanity then? Is that in, in you know, super confident people that you, because those are the ones that people look at and go, oh, they're a narcissist. But yeah. uh, do you think that's just a, a whole other ball of wax that they're just dickheads <laughs> <laughs> i think that's often the case for sure um yeah. see how i how i always view it is the difference between grandiosity and genuine pride and arrogance is that right. someone with a grant someone who's grandiose who's a narcissist like me you're going to be hearing us comparing ourselves to people but we don't oh. love ourselves we don't actually like ourselves we just think we're better than you right somebody who's mm. genuinely confident and arrogant like they have nothing to prove. They like, they genuinely, like we're trying to constantly uh, be like, we, I'm better than everybody. I I'm awesome. Whatever. And so other people are just going to be speaking very highly about themselves without the comparisons. Usually at least I'm sure hmm. the comparisons do come up, but in my opinion, that's what really sets them apart. Hmm. Maybe I'm a narcissist. <laughs> or maybe you're just insecure. <laughs> yeah, where's that fine line? Right. Right. I would say, I would say the, the lines when you start fucking up your life. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. So you were re-diagnosed at 21. Uh, how old are you now? Uh, I am 24 now. Do you, do you find that uh, some women have a NPD kink? They're like, I'm going to change him. I'm going to date him. I'm going to fix him. Or, 
or not even that. They're just like, I love that he's a bad boy because he's yeah, whatever. It's honestly, it's on, honestly that has been a well, like I see it on a couple levels. So well, I do, I do want to take this opportunity to kind of point out. I think there's a disgusting culture of fetishizing some mental illnesses nowadays, especially mm-hmm. um, some like borderline personality disorder. I think is a great example of this of people be being like, oh, people borderline personality disorder, like that's hot, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, or like, like sometimes, or like you, you, somebody talks about their manic pixie dream girl. And like, mm-hmm. there's some implicit, but sometimes they just object, just blatantly say, yeah, so with BPD. Um, I also see this on my content sometimes of people being like, oh, why are all narcissists so hot and shit like that? And I'm like, this is weird. I don't like this. <laughs> um, but yeah, a big issue in my dating life have been at points of like, because especially before they see the extremes of my emotional dysregulation, they'll hear me like, they'll think they'll like take my, um, they'll just look at me like I'm just kind of a broken person who, who's good at heart, but like just makes bad decisions. And they find themselves attracted to that. And I'm like, well, that's not a reason you should be getting into a relationship at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are red flags, not green flags. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, guys, please, I'm trying to tell you, I'm not a good person. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you date often or are you like one of these people that are like, I shouldn't be dating. I should be working on myself and get myself a little, um, you know, steady. Cause that's actually a, that's actually a big thing that happens with a lot of people when they become self-aware is they will actually like self-isolate. Cause they're like, Oh my God, I've heard all these people. I'm a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll like cut themselves out from the world for a while. Um, I never completely like self-isolated like that, but I did go through like a long period of time where I was like, I can't be dating because like, I'm just not in the space that I am able to, uh, that I need to fuck. I need it. Like, like I went through one really bad breakout where like, I really messed up this girl and I was like, okay, I need to figure out my shit before I uh, get into a relationship again. Um, nowadays, nowadays I kind of go back and forth between it. Um, I've been much more open to dating, uh, but I would say that honestly, if I want to be responsible, I should probably take some more time. <laughs> And and you're quite open with the people you date as to, you know, your your disorder. I used to not be. Um, I mean, hell, I know. So so in the communities that I'm in that are of narcissists, we're not stupid. We know how the world views narcissists, right? Yeah. Um. So a lot of us like hide it from everybody. I know somebody. Uh, the girl I was talking about earlier. She um, she has hid it from everyone in her life to the point that not even her, her husband knows. Um, me personally, I used to, I hit it for like two years from the people around me, uh, before I basically started doing my social media stuff. Nowadays I have a philosophy of, okay, somebody off the rip doesn't need to know about my disorder, but my rule of thumb is before I become official with them, that they deserve to know what they're getting into. Right. Right. But at the same time, if there's a narcissist who just does not just hides it from literally everybody, I do not blame them. (laughs) (laughs) But in a relationship, though, you'd think then you would then work together and communicate together about each other's needs and, you know, your your actions and even their actions and stuff. As opposed- I mean, I would say it's way easier to do that when they don't know you're a narcissist, though, because in my experience, what happens is there's two groups of people and how they react to uh, my NP. Well, I would say three, actually. Um, the first group is they just don't really care. Like it, it just doesn't affect anything. And like, they just kind of go about that. We go about our days. Then there's the people who really try to understand it, which is very few people. <laughs> I think the most understood I do feel honestly by my friends who are aware of it is that 
they understand that they're never going to really get it. <laughs> right. And then the third group, which unfortunately I think is the most common, is they start to view everything you do through the lens of manipulation and your narcissism. Uh -huh. um, and that leads to a lot of conflict because I'll just be doing something very genuinely and they think they're getting manipulated. Ironically, it feels like the only time that they, they don't think I'm manipulating them is when I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for some reason. <laughs> it's, it's like a, it's like a dramatic. Gotcha, bitch. It's like fucking yeah, yeah like <laughs> It's like a Greek tragedy or something. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Even even just being open about like anxiety and depression and uh, my ADHD and my addiction issues and stuff, I sometimes feel like even I'm under a microscope and everybody knows what oh, I should yeah. be. You know, it's like constantly giving me advice and like um analyzing every move i make and stuff it's like oh yeah, yeah i think you should be doing this and oh you know it's like what the fuck can't i you gotta just make be your bed grumpy? in the morning can't i just be grumpy like why do i right. have to like why do i why are you calling the hospital you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> you, know, like, you guys never feel emotions like fuck come on <laughs> yeah just because i'd express mine differently than you doesn't mean i'm a i'm fucking an asshole anywho yeah, like, exactly. I'm, I'm getting personal now i'm getting <laughs> no that's fine i love it i love it <laughs> So you can use that information and manipulate me with it later, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll <laughs> be running this podcast by the end. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I noticed your your handles are the nameless um, narcissist. Do do you want your name on the on the podcast or? Yeah, do you... yeah though that war's over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I figured. It was like the it was like my third episode of the of uh and like especially nowadays that like that i'm doing more professional stuff along with this i like my name be, everyone everyone my name's jacob skidmore remember that please <laughs> but um I, but like it was like my third episode on my youtube channel um talking about this and i accidentally said my name and i was like well fucking that's over now and then it was funny because then for the next few months I would say my name in a different video and they'd be like, name us. You, you said your name you might want to edit that out. And I'm like, dude, like <laughs> I a sale a long time ago. Has there been any fallout since you have said your name? Like has anybody kind of, I don't know. What would they do? Come to your um, house? I don't know. But like, Hey, I'm at a like, uh, narcissist I house. <laughs> I have, I have, I was, um, there was one person who fucking was, terrifying who like oh. tracked down like my address and all my loved ones and shit like that luckily they weren't really like a threat or anything though they were just an obsessed person mm. they had their own issues yeah they were yeah <laughs> borderline mm. uh i so here's something i did some research on you were you joined the white supremacist group at one time yes yes i was a, I was a member of the alt-right uh, at one point uh, and was that, what, what, what lured you to that? Was that, do you think part of your disorder was like this group? I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I do think, see, it's interesting. I do think there's like a couple, there's a couple things that contribute. I do largely, and this is why, um, I have, have a lot of, I don't want to say sympathy, but I, I guess I have empathy, uh, for people who do find themselves in those kind of groups because for me at least my attraction to these groups was mainly based in trauma 
Mm. Um, my so basically, when I was younger, my family, um, my like, what kind of was the catalyst of my entire family life going to shit was my mom left my dad for a woman, and I large as a child, I was like five years old. I largely blamed this on homosexuality, mm. and as I kind of and like the thing is. I was, and I was like a pretty leftist dude at the time. Well, not when I was five, but like as I was growing <laughs> up, I was pretty, yeah, I'm like, I, yeah, I was fucking, I was a communist when I was five years old. No, but um, I was, uh, I was like, generally speaking, pretty, um, pretty left wing when I got into, getting into politics. However, you are very easily excluded from these groups when you do have these views. And the only people that would hear, that would accept me having very homophobic ideas was the alt-right. Um, and being in those echo chambers eventually conditioned me into being, um, into being, uh, like, you know, like a white nationalist, basically. Mm I, uh, I eventually, um, I'm trying to think, uh, eventually like, and a big part of it too, I, I was like very openly a fascist. Um, and I think what, I think my narcissism did take, uh, did kind of, Push me in that direction too, just because I was attracted to the hierarchy of the thing, uh, because that's just how narcissists think in the hierarchies. Mm. And the and also nationalism. It's like okay, like this is this is this is group narcissism, right? right. We, we are the best group. We're awesome, right. <laughs> um, and where people with NPD are very attracted to contrarian ideas and to conspiracy theories. So like I'm like I'm like oh man, the fucking the ruling elite are trying to fucking replace all the white people with uh low ink with um fucking cheap uh labor from latin america mm-hmm. so i so it was like so i do think that the narcissism had something to do with it but i do largely blame my uh trend in that direction on uh, my narcissism i mean on my on my trauma mm-hmm. um funnily enough though growing up one of my best friends um and we're still really close to this day what uh was a trans woman and I remember her talking to me and saying, I don't understand why the literal neo-Nazi is more accepting of me than my parents are. (laughs) (laughs) And I do, I do thank them because they are a big part of why I ended up um, leaving the circles because uh, she was willing to engage with me in an honest uh, manner about politics. Mm. Maybe uh, Gen X neo-Nazis are just a lot more liberal than baby boomer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Neo Nazis. <laughs> hey, I'm Gen Z. Or Gen Z. Thank you okay. very much. Right. But, or, yeah. or um what did I say? Gen X. I meant millennials. I maybe millennial neo Nazis yeah. are more uh liberal than doesn't matter. <laughs> I fucked up my job. Honestly, honestly, it's a weird it's a weird thing that I've noticed is that like Gen Z is like way more like like bad in that regard than uh, millennials are. It's I'm uh, it's really surprising when you like look at some of these groups. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I I agree that uh, I mean a lot of people join cults. I'll say neo Nazis is a type of cult when there's like agree. some yeah. kind of traumatic thing in their life, and then they're looking for acceptance, and then yeah. these groups kind of prey on those kind of people, and then yeah. and then they actually quite often get abused even more so because they've been <laughs> yeah. manipulated by these groups. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense too. It's like, and that's something I guess I didn't really think about too much, but it's kind of obvious now that you mention it. Is that like Okay, I felt like so. I felt like I, I mean, I was always envious of people who I felt like had like real families, quote unquote, that were like all accepting. Mm-hmm. And this was like a group that kind of served that function in my life at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that is why I'm like, 
relatively again that's why i would be relatively um like i i have a philosophy of like kind of like if somebody is some like just viewing it through the i feel like viewing political extremism through the lens of trauma is like probably the most helpful way to kind of de-radicalize people in a lot of ways 100 percent uh, I've said that before and I've had people disagree with me and I'm like, no, I've, I know very right wing people that were like sexually abused by males. You know, a male person was sexually uh-huh. abused by a male person. So then, yeah, same, so the same thing with you. So then they've, you know, they're, uh, become homophobics and then, you know, then they go down that rabbit hole and end up being uh, yeah, extreme, right. But anywho. Enough about that. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> I'm, uh, Before we get canceled. <laughs> I'm glad that you, uh, you know, we were able to kind of get out of that rabbit hole, at least anyway. I, too, and weirdly enough, I'm kind of glad that I did experience it just because it gave me a lot of insight about how those kind of groups work and how um, they, and how the kind of, I uh, may not, I'm not going to take it upon myself to de-radicalize a bunch of people, mm-hmm. but I can kind of, uh, I have a lot more of an, uh, I have a wider understanding of kind of the mechanics behind a lot of these, uh, a lot of ideologies nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, are, do you have a college degree or anything? Uh, uh, no, I, I have enough credits to have a college degree. I just never, I just never got them all. The, I didn't get them all the same place. Unfortunately, oh, I, see. One, I will say that one day, one day I'll fucking, uh, one day I'll get like an honorary degree or something. I've spoken at conferences at universities and shit. Mm. So, and I'm being in the, uh, I'm, uh, going to be in the scientific american here in a few months the what the scientific american oh i'm not sure what that is i'm canadian yeah, never mind okay but it, it, if you knew what it was it would sound impressive okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I i always had this need to like defend my credentials just because i'm insecure about not having a degree and like people were like like i make it clear on my youtube videos i'm not a clinician or anything but i'm like i might well be <laughs> <laughs> hey man i have uh, my high school diploma that's it as well um, I, I just ask cause I like, I wonder like in like you, I know, I know lots about your NPD, but I don't know anything about like what your interests are or what your professional life is yeah. or, or if you have one or if you have like, what, what are your interests when it comes to like, um, being a professional or jobs? Um, I mean, so, I mean, I fuck, I, I like, and I'm uh, as somebody with ADHD, I'm sure relates this uh, quite a bit. Is I, I cycle through fucking these hobbies like crazy. Um, I fucking, uh, but like I guess all or nothing. Okay, so yeah, right. In terms, yeah, I have my have my hyperfixation. Like I fucking once uh, taught myself uh, basic computer engineering for like a month. Um, <laughs> it was fucking crazy. I but I uh, but basically, well, in terms of my career path, um, I. My main two jobs were, well, okay. So basically, so it makes it, because my career right now is I just door dash because I'm a piece of shit um, and do all this stuff. Mm. Um, but I started off working at a nursing home when I was in high school. Um, then I joined the army. Um, after I got back from the army, I tried to go back to college, but I just couldn't do it at the time. The adjustment was just too rough. And then I worked at a prison for two years. Um, then I quit, traveled to the United States for a while. And then I went to, um, then I, uh, worked as a financial advisor for like three months before I was like, fuck this shit. Um, <laughs> you're tired of working with narcissists. Then, uh, <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
Today's episode of Bunny Hugs and Mental Health is brought to you by Co-op. I've been a member of my local co-op, Sherwood Co-op, for, oh, about 25 years, I think. My co-op is one of more than 150 local independent cooperative associations in more than 600 communities across Western Canada. Co-op is a different kind of business. It's not just a gas bar or a grocery store, although co-op is those things too. At its core, co-op is a group of people working together to help their neighbors and build their community. Co-op members are owners and success is shared with everyone. Your co-op doesn't benefit one person or one corporation. Your co-op was built for everyone. Your co-op was built for your community. Learn more about co-op and find a location near you at co-op.crs. I mean, it was, fuck, if it, if it weren't for my, if it weren't for my, Ian, if, if it were, I would have been a great job for me if I was not just completely intolerant of rejection. Like I'd get, re- I, somebody would say no to me and I'd fucking go and hide in my room. And that. mm, that's an ADHD. Um, yeah, I, I bet. What's yeah. that? What um, rejection well, sensitivity disorder, more. I think they call it. I've heard, I've heard that. I think I've done research on it. I, um, cause like, I mean, it, it was also a narcissist thing just cause I was so like, it felt humiliating oh, um, and stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Also the, um, but then uh, other than that, my hobbies and interests are primarily revolve around uh, history, as you can tell by my map of Austria-Hungary behind me. I was me. wondering. Um, Africa on the calendar? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, South America? What am I looking at? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I was, I was, I was like debating right there to correct you or not. I was like, well, I look like a dick if I do that. I was like, wait no, a but, minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I love bio- biology. I, I want to be a microbiologist at one point and an entomologist at one point. Um, I love the like computer sciences. I get really <laughs> you are I taught ADHD. myself how <laughs> that I have a different job. Dude, every- I taught myself how to <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna say I have a job every- I taught myself. Oh, we did it again. You go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I taught myself how to code in batch when I was eleven. Oh my god. Yeah. I- yeah, I was like, I'm a fucking I- also I I'm a genius, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I have a different job every two years and it's yeah, it's all right. or nothing, but um can you hey, can you smell out other narcissists? Like can you be like in a room and be like, that dude's a narcissist. What's that? It smells like narcs <laughs> and <some> grandiosity. <laughs> um, I would say I'm very good at picking up on narcissistic traits. Mm. Very, very bad at at noticing narcissists themselves though because i project so much right i see one narcissistic trait in somebody and then i'm viewing them through the lens of narcissism uh-huh. i have identified one narcissist pathological and this and part of this may just be the fact that like narcissism relatively speaking is pretty rare well at least pathological narcissism and i've only i have only smelled out one in my life and i actually woke him up to having mpd oh uh, you saved him I did. I did. I'm a hero. <laughs> uh, you, you recently went to New York to meet up with a whole bunch of other uh, people with NPD. I thought that was amazing. It's like well, every other group has, you know, peer support groups. Why not, you know, why not you guys? Well, unfortunately, uh, it was just me and Tess who had NPD. But, oh. Um, oh, I thought it, the whole group yeah. had. Um, no, unfortunately not. Because um, I was for borderliner notes. And she was, do- we were basically doing like a pseudo documentary thing. Uh, and let me tell you, I felt so cool having like the professional microphones hooked up to me. That was so neat. Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, no, that was, I'm really excited for that. Um, I, for that to come out because borderliner notes is a, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a YouTube channel that like has a lot of really good information about, um, personality disorders, like a lot of interviews with professionals and people with the disorders. And, uh, we had a fucking blast there. That was one of the best times of my life. Me and Tess were like attached at the hip the entire time. And it felt really weird coming back and not having that anymore. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's nice that you guys got to do that. Uh, one of your videos you talked about. Oh, I'm not. I'm gonna fuck this word up. Alexithymia. <laughs> Alexithymia. Yeah. What, what, what is that? <laughs> so I'm not a all, genius. Don't feel bad about not being able to. Pro- <laughs> don't feel bad about not being able to pronounce it because literally the only reason I do know how to pronounce it is I was making a TikTok about it once and I like had to repeat the word to myself like 20 times. <laughs> um, but basically alexithymia is when you don't exactly know what emotion you're feeling at the time. Uh, this is also very common in people who are autistic. Uh, so like growing up, I knew three emotions, good, bad, and angry. Mm. <laughs> um, and so when I wouldn't understand, so it's like, oh, I felt shame. I wouldn't be able to identify it. It was the bad emotion, maybe, uh, but it would. I would react with anger to it because that was the only real coping mechanism I had to deal with these emotions. I wasn't able to identify. Mm. Yeah, did you were your parent? Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Were your uh, like influences in life kind of deal with emotions the same way, like your parents or older siblings? Um, okay, so my dad has really bad OCD. Mm. Uh, um, like, like clinically diagnosed, not just like, Oh, I need to make sure all my, my pencils are organized. No, like <laughs> fucking checking the locks, uh, three times, uh, every day before he goes to bed and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, he does, I, I do think he struggles with alexithymia. Um, he, uh, if not, he d- just reacts to a lot of emotions with anger. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom, on the other hand is just, she is a very, I would say expressive woman. I don't think that she has very bad issues with alexithymia. Um, my sister, my sister has borderline personality disorder. And well, so last time she was in therapy, she was a minor. Mm-hmm. So she was diagnosed with borderline, bipolar, anxiety, depression, and uh, a conduct disorder, which a conduct disorder, if untreated, turns into antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so my sister's potentially a sociopath. <laughs> Neat. And she'll one, she'll I, I one up you. I'm not, right. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, but she, uh, but yeah, like, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure if they struggle with alexithymia. They do react to a lot of emotions with anger though. I would say. Right. And what's your relationship like now with, with your family? Um, complex, I would say. Mm. Um, so my, so both my parents, uh, have been remarried more or less. Um, because my mom, after her stint um, with a woman, ended up with a guy, uh, and he—he's a cool guy. I like him. Um, she, um, it, it, like, it, like me and my sister talk about this. It kind of sucks seeing like, oh wow, both our parents abandoned their original family just to join some other some others. Mm. So nowadays, I don't really talk to my dad because my dad was where a lot of my trauma came from, mm. um, and my, and as for my mom. She is trying very hard to make up for my childhood, more or less. So I kind of tolerate it. And as for my sister, that's probably the most complicated of them all. Because me and my sister, it was interesting because growing up, she was the only person who, um, she was the only, like, like, 
me and her ostensibly were each other's abusers. Mm. But at the same time, we were the only people who really understood each other at mm-hmm. all. Um, and we got, and like both of our issues really compounded off of each other. Recently, she has fell pregnant. And so, and she struggled with a lot of substance abuse um, for basically all of her life. And growing up, she eventually, um, uh, but like eventually she has, now that she's fallen pregnant, she sobered up. And hopefully that's a trend that will continue. She fell pregnant. I like how you put that. <laughs> I've fallen pregnant. <laughs> Oops. Was that I your mean, penis I fell on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, it was fucking, let me tell you, it was fucking. So she dated when she was like 16, she started dating a 37 year old drug dealer, mm. which, which I learned the day before I went to basic training, which was fun. And this guy, and they have had a very, very abusive relationship. I mean, it's hard. I mean, like he obviously groomed her, but like he beats her, she'll stab him. It's a whole thing. Um, and now she's pregnant with his kid. Uh, so I'm like, man, how much agency did she really have in that situation? Oh man. And, and, and it's, that's the thing with like substance abuse disorder and probably I'm guessing other disorder. Well, actually I talked to someone with histrionic personality disorder too, that, it's like you almost start to create your own traumas now because you're, yeah. so there's like the cyclical thing. So then you start to spiral even more because, you know, the situations you put yourself in and the, and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, well, I feel for, yeah, for hands her down. and you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, that's the thing. My sister has caused me hell growing up, but I will say, I don't think I've ever met somebody in my life who has suffered more than her. Right. Yeah. And, and as, an art like having this disorder well what what do people don't understand about the suffering part of it like you know there's always symptoms you suffer from having whatever yeah. what, what what are some of the like because you know externally it's just like man this guy's just an arrogant dick but you're actually suffering and like <laughs> and what what are, what is that yeah. stuff that you're suffering from like what's the most i don't know you know what i'm asking but, yeah yeah that's <laughs> the thing and like i feel like um treating it as um if we're asking what people don't understand about it, it's fucking everything. Um, <laughs> but um, I would say, I'm trying to think of what I would say, my, like, link it this way like, narcissists are kind of renowned for their anger mm-hmm. and stuff, right? Um, I think that's more of an obvious one. Anger isn't a pleasant emotion. I fucking hate anger. It's exhausting. Um, and it's always there to cover up something else. And that's ruined a lot of my relationships. I would say that's probably like the biggest part is just that, like, I have such a hard time having genuine, like, uh, fulfilling relationships. Cause I'm just fucking broken. Right. <laughs> and that emotional dysregulation where like the small, like everything feels like it's so fucking much all the time. Like I fucking, I have, I remember I was drinking one night and I was on my last beer and I spilled it and I cried. <laughs> 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 like everything feels like it's the end mm. of the world. Maybe I am um, not to mention, oh, but that's also, I was going to say, maybe I, <laughs> I do have NPD, but that's also kind of a symptom of ADHD too. So yeah, emotional dysregulation yeah. is also, and so now you sure. double up on it. Um, I would say, yeah, right, right. I, I have super narcissism. <laughs> I would say the, uh, the most upsetting, I was actually the most upsetting one actually though, is, is how much I stress over what people think of me, like constantly all the time. And if people don't like me, then I freak the fuck out. Um, I like, cause my, my self-esteem is completely dependent on other people. If you like me, then I like myself. If you don't like me, I hate myself. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that would be tough. So if you have, let's say you went through a week with uh, everyone was neutral. <laughs> no one overly liked you. No one underly liked you. That's yeah? worse. Oh, okay. Because I don't, I don't know who I am. If I don't know what people think uh, of me. So you make that almost like you're. Um, yeah, identity. thank you. Oh my God. What? <laughs> so what other people think of you is your identity. It's not this, like, I don't know, tough. like Tess once put it in a really, really it, like, I remember once Tess said it in a way that I was like, yes, somebody finally said it where like, I don't know how people know who they are without somebody telling them. Ah, interesting. I don't know either. Well, I mean, I do know, actually, I don't, sorry, <laughs> I screwed that up. <laughs> I don't know what it would be like to think the way you're thinking yeah mm. yeah i mean everybody's influenced by stuff around them and whatever but like you know it's a it's a slow gradual thing it's not like an immediate thing is it more like is it acute for you like what, yeah. what people think of you it's now acutely your identity so this is so here's so here's something that'll happen um i, I think here's okay. a good way to sum it up uh somebody will come up to me and they'll be like, you remind me of so-and-so from this TV show or something like that. And I'll start asking like a bunch of questions. Why I'll like start obsessing over it. And I'll go home and like vigorously research this character. And if I feel like it's something that I find admirable, like it, if I find it like admirable anyway, that will like, I'll basically start studying that person and kind of adopt their character traits into who I am. I've heard other people with NPD do that. they like, they almost like emulate a famous person emulate emulate yep i was like for me it's like i there was like a bunch of uh there was like a bunch of influences that kind of made the character that is jacob skidmore <laughs> um i'm like i'm trying to think of like uh i'm trying to think of ones that were like big influences on me growing up um i know like han solo at one point <laughs> <laughs> i could see it um that's, that's the one that probably sticks out the most i would have to think about mm. it a little bit more then uh i'm more chewbacca <laughs> hey we got a dynamic then i love that uh huh tessa i i asked tessa and she wouldn't tell me she's like i'm not telling anyone she won't she won't oh, tell me i want to know who she tried to emulate she she i got a this close telling me once i was like so curious to get her drunk <laughs> <laughs> i did that's the thing it didn't work it's that time again for a new segment that some bunny special the segment where we chat about who cooperated in your mental health journey and helped fill your emotional tank brought to you by co-op uh basically who 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 in your life was around and and helped you it could be a doctor it could be a friend it could be a dog yeah. uh you know when you're going through your your hardest moments so I think I mentioned the uh, I mentioned this person earlier when we were talking about uh, my far right extremism. Um, my trans friend who said that you know it was surprising that the neo Nazi was more supportive than their parents. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, this that honestly she was the person who I would always go to in order to self reflect or to get interpretations on why I was acting in certain ways or what the best thing for me to do in that moment was and. I definitely held her more reverence than I should have during a lot of those periods. However, the insight that I did get from those conversations was so instrumental to me being the person who I am nowadays. Like they are, um, and even and even now, 
if I'm going through something and I need advice, that's the person that I turn to generally. Hmm. And she'll know who you're talking about. <laughs> no oh, name she heard given. this podcast. She definitely will. She like I'm not sure if she'd be comfortable with me saying her name, so I try to avoid it. Fair enough. Um, but she if and she actively avoids uh my content because she says that there she knows that there's some things that go on in my head that she um thinks that she would be better off not, not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So are are you enjoying the the kind of uh I don't know if it's attention, but are you enjoying what you've created on social media? The, um, I guess attention. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's a bunch of factors that go into it. Cause I would say I enjoyed it a lot more at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Um, you kind of become, it, it, there's like a diminishing, it, it's like, an, it, it is like kind of like an addiction. There's a diminishing return in terms of how, uh, gratifying. Uh, it's ADHD again. Um, it's like, Oh, the dopamine. Say, I'm done with the dopamine <laughs> with that. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, as time has worn on, <clears throat> like I have, I have much more appreciated the community that I have built and like being able to understand the perspective of other people who aren't narcissists. Um, because now it's like, don't get me wrong. I feed off that attention. I love it. I love the achievements that I get, but also I have to deal with all of the negative too, which, uh, makes my self-esteem just fluctuate like fucking mm -hmm. crazy. Well, I appreciate that you are quite open about it. Cause I mean. I, I don't care if it's disorder or mental health or, you know, what, whatever. It's like if, if, if the people that are, Oh, what am I trying to say? So I used to advocate and I used to be like one of those angry kind of advocates, you know, I was like, I'm going to protest yeah. and yada, yada. But it's like, um, why, why, why is there this stigma? And it's like, well, it's because a lot of the people that are suffering aren't even yeah. talking about it because of the stigma. It's like, well, so to beat the stigma, the people that are suffering from it have to open up. Uh, so, so I, I appreciate that you're doing right. that. Cause I mean, I, I understand this shit a lot more five years ago. There was no one on Instagram talking about narcissism or any cluster B really. Sure. So it, that's, that's, yeah, that's one real nice thing about social media, but, but then you get the people, I suppose, like you said, all the negative stuff too. What's the right. meanest thing someone said to you? That's a good question. Um, there was one comment that really fucking stuck with me. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, usually it's, I, I can't, I can't think, I'm not sure I can think. It's usually when people like, in, like, uh, well, I take everything so personally. Mm. Somebody will say I'm wrong about something. I'm like, you're a fucking <laughs> moron. I hate you. But, um, that's the meanest thing someone like, said it, to like you. Like somebody insulting my intelligence or my. Sorry, the meanest thing someone said to you was, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically <laughs> um i mean just like people just like i think like the mean like what other these ones don't affect me as bad but i would say the meanest things that people say is like oh you're a fucking demon you only hurt people you're a monster you're just manipulating everybody blah 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 mm -hmm. blah blah those are the meanest ones i get but those ones i'm way more desensitized to than like somebody insulting my appearance or mm -hmm. intelligence well you're gorgeous and you and you're smart and you're a monster. Oh. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love all of that. Yes. If somebody, I'm like, somebody needs to tell me that every day and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> but you must get a lot of people that are like reaching out to you too, saying, uh, you know, I've been diagnosed and it's amazing that you are educating people or whatever. Dude, I get, I, I, it's, I, I get one of my most common DMS I get is people saying, Hey, like you finally helped me accept my diagnosis or to get diagnosed or like 
there's one dude that like really sticks out to me because I just found it so relatable. This kid, well, I don't know how old he was, so I probably shouldn't <laughs> be calling him a kid. But he said he he messaged me being like, "Man, I was sitting here an impatient, not knowing what the fuck is wrong with me." And then you, um, and then I came across your TikToks, and like it finally all came together, and I just got diagnosed, and I thank you so much and stuff. And I'm like, "Fuck, is this empathy? Like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> what is this feeling?" Oh my god! And like on was. the other hand, also like <laughs> maybe yeah. Um, I mean, like, I remember like, oh my God, one of my earliest comments that really started making me be like, man, I am, um, really something that made me be like, okay, I, because like at first it was purely for the purpose of destigmatizing, mm-hmm. right? Um, now nowadays it's kind of, I tried to do a mix of destigmatizing and explain to people who've been hurt by people like me, because there was this one comment that fucking changed how I viewed it like forever where this woman was left a comment saying how, oh, my mom was a narcissist. And because of all the information online, I went no contact because that's what everyone was telling me to do. And she recently died. And I didn't know how to cope with that until I saw all your videos and was able to, and it made so much more sense doing this as a desperate need to regulate self-esteem as opposed to her being an evil, monstrous mastermind and shit like that. And I was like, whoa, that's a feeling that I'm experiencing. I don't know what the fuck that is, but you made me feel something. <laughs> Thanks, Alexa Thamia. Me, mania, 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 whatever, fuck. <laughs> no, yeah, it's the Alexa Thamia like really kicked into gear there. I was like, I don't know what this feeling is. I'm scared. You know, when I, when I, when I was in addiction treatment, we actually spent a lot of time talking about feelings and we, they gave a sheet about sheets upon sheets about feelings. And it's like. Yeah, that, I I think that's a more common thing that people realize. It's like because uh, every mm. every day the the counselor would be like, "How are you feeling?" and people would be like, "Good." And it's like, "Good's not a feeling. French fries are yeah. good." <laughs> so like, we'd we'd have to break. I um, in. Tessa like Tessa will make fun of me because when I told her that like me, her, and our, our we actually have a friend who has antisocial personality disorder, and we were all talking. And I explained that story and we didn't know what that emotion was. And so I'm like, let's break out the emotion. Wheel. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> and now whenever I, um, and now whenever I, uh, oh my God. Now whenever like, we don't know what we're feeling. It tests like, oh, fucking everyone calm down. Jake's about to break out the emotion <laughs> wheel. Well, why do you wear sunglasses in a lot in most of your videos? Uh, it's symbolic of hiding mm. the self. Um, also the, uh, also there's this weird thing where like, I feel a lot more comfortable in public. If I'm wearing sunglasses, I'm not sure why I think it's this thing where I just like, I feel like people can see my shame through my eyes. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's weird. Like literally somebody would like tell me that they love me or something. I will like unconsciously look away because like, I can't deal with the shame mm-hmm. of it. I, I, I get that. Uh, I spent a couple of weeks in the psych ward one time and it was like, I wore my sunglasses the whole time. It was like this. As thin as and as it is, it's like this nice mask and a shield a little bit, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, huh. Well, is there is there anything that I didn't ask or we didn't cover that that you wanted to make sure people knew before I let you go? Oh, uh, let me think. Um, I guess like I would like to. I like to end it on a note of kind of like I like to acknowledge the fact that people with my disorder can be very hurtful. Okay, they can hurt a lot of people. And, you know, that's not good and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that we're monsters. We're people who are sick, who need treatment. And I think that understanding it through the lens of mental health and not through the lens of abuse and hurt 
is a better way for everybody to be able to heal. Thank you, Jacob. That was great. You've shed a light on on a lot of things that a lot of people didn't know about NPD, I'm sure. But I'm glad you're talking out and you're and you're getting help and uh, you're helping others learn about it. So thank you so much again, and I'm sure we'll catch up again in the future sometime. Uh, don't forget, next week I'm speaking with Titanium Mike. We're going to talk about uh, his crazy adventures with getting his head crushed. Before that, I end the podcast this week. I do want to say, rest easy, Colin, and last. They are two really cool guys that I, I I know from my time working in treatment centers. Uh, they both have lost their lives this last week or two. And I mean, it's, o- it's always rough when I see people on Facebook and no longer winning the battle. Um, Honestly, I know way more people that have passed in the last four or five years from addiction issues or at least from that lifestyle than I did who lost lives from COVID. And that's not, that's, I'm not saying COVID wasn't serious or we shouldn't have taken it serious. I'm just saying that's how bad addictions and mental health issues are right now. Um, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm sorry guys and rest easy that being said happy one year sober birthday dusty i'm very proud of you please help a free mental health service this podcast you never know whose life you may or may not save uh but you're not gonna hurt anyone that's for sure you you are definitely gonna help people by spreading the word about this podcast so please remember to rate and review and to tell friends and to share plentifully. I want to thank my sponsors, Co-op and Sun, Saskatchewan Unit of Nurses. Both are just amazing organizations. And please don't forget to make your beds and take your meds. Bye. Registered nurses are on the front lines of this nursing crisis right now. I feel like we don't have all of the resources and the tools and the staff to ensure patient safety 100% of the time. Everyone is trying their best, but it's not sustainable the way we're going right now. There needs to be something changing. The nurses across Saskatchewan need to be involved in conversations with the government to try and find solutions. We have ideas, we just need to be involved. This has been a message from the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses.